This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Hill. I'm joined today by the Spectator's political editor, Katie Balls, and the chief political commentator of Talk TV, Peter Cardwell. Now, Katie, overnight we've got some exciting news that there is likely to be power sharing restored at Stormont after nearly two years. Talk us through what's happened. Yeah, so this is a significant step, but it's not yet a done deal when it comes to the path back to power sharing. But what you had in the early morning of Tuesday was a press conference with Geoffrey Donaldson, the leader of the DUP, and that followed a long meeting, four or five hours, of the DUP executive, where Geoffrey Donaldson put forward a new deal agreed with the UK government suggesting that this went far enough in solving lots of concerns. And this all goes back two years ago to when the DEP collapsed the executive because they objected to the post-trading agreement from the Brexit deal. Now, if we go back to the EU referendum, if you want to go back, it's a real trip down memory lane today. Um, all the warnings at the time, you had John Major and others saying, if you vote for leave, there's going to be a serious problem in terms of the border on the island of Ireland. And it was... At the time, I don't think taken particularly seriously, and it's turned out that has been, you know, the probably the biggest problem in terms of the result of the deal that was agreed, and so forth. Rishi Sunak tried with the Windsor framework to come up with a solution that addressed some of the concerns, and at the time, if you think back to last spring, there was hope that the DUP would get on side. They did not, and. In the time since then, they've had lots of ongoing negotiations, a few false dawns in terms of will this be the moment they come back? And I think this is by far the most significant step in suggesting that there could really be a return to power sharing. In terms of where we're at, so first of the meeting in of itself, I think, had highs and lows. You had one executive member accused of wearing a wire because during the meeting, um, one of the loyalist activists was you know, almost live tweeting the speeches as they happened. And I think it sounds like quite pantomime scenes saying, you know, turn off your phones. Oh, wait, the leak's still going. And now they think it was a wire that meant that they could get through that. Now, when Donaldson left that meeting, he said that he did have the backing of the DUP. I think there are clearly still some who think this may be too soft, not address all their concerns. And we're yet to see the fine print of the deal. But Donaldson clearly has seen it and has cited it as removing checks for goods, moving within the UK and remaining in Northern Ireland. Also, Northern Ireland no longer automatically following future EU laws. And there's also money thrown in as well as the safeguards with three billion for public services. In terms of the next steps, we will have the deal probably published tomorrow, so Wednesday, and then there could be a vote on Thursday. I think they plan to put it in the Commons through two statutory instruments, so it would only be if someone objected to it that it would go to a vote. I think there is a question on the Tory side. So first off, can Donaldson keep the DEP on the side when they see the fine print? Clearly, he's given them some details. And then secondly, do Tory MPs, particularly the Eurosceptics, get behind it? Because the question is, in terms of these changes, where does it leave various parts? And today, speaking to Tory MPs, there are some who are saying, well, we haven't seen anything yet. It's too early days. But I think it's worth pointing out that previously, whether it was the Windsor framework or other agreements, the position of the European Research Group has often been, if it's good enough for the DUP, yeah. it's good enough for us. So you would you would think there is a path. If it passes on Thursday then you could have a situation where within days power sharing is back. 
Peter, why does Jeffrey Donaldson think now is the time to make a deal and restore power sharing at Stormont? He's basically run out of road politically. It's sort of now or never. He's also in an interesting position in his own seat in that he's having a number of very serious challenges. Previously a rock solid, in fact the most solid seat for unionism within Northern Ireland. In the last few years there have been numerous ways in which other parties, the SLP and Alliance, have caused him problems and may they may actually take the seat. It's interesting because he's not a member of the Assembly and in fact now there'll almost certainly be a Sinn Féin First Minister and Michelle O'Neill the Deputy First Minister will not be probably Geoffrey Donaldson it'll be one of his lieutenants perhaps Emma Little-Pengelly who used to be an MP here at Westminster as well really they're going into an election time it's now or never Labour would be, or of course, closer to the EU and more pro-EU than the Conservatives are at the moment. So it was a matter of when rather than if, probably. But Katie's right in terms of the next 24, 48 hours being crucial because Geoffrey Donaldson has said some very interesting things, which I think may well be too optimistic. He's talked about zero checks and zero customs paperwork in terms of goods going from Great Britain over to Northern Ireland. I think that's pie in the sky. That would be a major change to the Windsor framework. But what I also think is that around the time of the Good Friday Agreement, there's this great phrase, creative ambiguity. And I think there's a lot of that at the moment and will be in the days to come. But whether he can keep his party on board, there are some who will never accept this. There are some who will always be against it. And he may lose, uh, if there's in the next Assembly election, perhaps even in the Westminster election, may lose some seats as a result of this. But certainly for the DUP, they've been sitting outside government for two years. They're not in the same position as they were between 2017 and 2019, when they had the greatest influence they've ever had. And actually, some are saying, including Naomi Long, the leader of the centrist alliance party, saying, well, what's on offer here that wasn't on offer when Theresa May was offering things to you back in the day. So really, I think they know they're beaten, essentially. They've got to kind of go for this. And as one uh, Irish journalist, the political editor of the Irish Times, said in in an article over Christmas, you cannot negotiate a deal with reality. And that is exactly what is happening. And Katie, of course, the return of Stormont would mean uh, first Sinn Féin first minister. I mean, how? what is the sense in Westminster about the UK government, Rishi Sunak's government, going to be dealing with that challenge? So I think when it comes to the DUP angle on that, it's worth pointing out that one of the factors in terms of power sharing not being restored at Stormont up until this point is not just been about the Brexit deal. There are members of the DUP who simply do not want a situation where they are junior partners to Sinn Féin. And that is another reason why I think it's still all a little bit up in the air, even if everything is pointing in a certain direction. And I think that is clearly going to be very difficult for the DUP. I think there is a level of Anglo in Northern Ireland that they've now had two years without a functioning government and all the problems that come with that. Huge public service problems, absolutely. Exactly. And and therefore I think so I think there's always the dilemma of if you if you hold off on going in Obviously, to some voters, that is going to show you're, you're staying strong in, in that face. But I think lots of voters are just so fed up with the fact they have don't have government representing them on all these issues that there's, you know, there's danger in both ways. I think in terms of the UK government, clearly Sinn Féin is not the party they would most like to deal with. But at the same time, I think if the UK government can restore power sharing at Stormont, that is a big achievement and they will just be happy to have a government there and that will come first and foremost. And I think also, like, I think there are much bigger issues in terms of the people of Northern Ireland, what it means for functioning government. But I do think this would be 
a rare piece of good news for Rishi Sunak, which is he's obviously placed great store in the Windsor framework. It did some things. It didn't do what the, I think one of the key things they wanted to do, which was fixing this issue, which those around Rishi Sunak see as, you know, it's just a reminder of the sense of Brexit. You know, you can say, oh, Brexit hasn't worked for X reason, but I think while the United Kingdom looks like it's breaking apart, mm. that is something which, you know, it's just a very visible sense of that. So they want to tidy it up. So I think, um, you know, it doesn't really matter in many ways if it's Sinn Féin. They just want to have it up and running. Peter, you mentioned there are a lot of the public sector problems facing Northern Ireland. If power sharing does go ahead, how do you think that voters are likely to act at the next general election, first of all, and then, of course, next almost elections in a few years' time? Well, I think the DUP will be in a very difficult position, but certainly what will help them is the £3.3 billion that the UK government is giving, essentially as a bung to say, get back to devolved government. Northern Ireland has had a number of serious problems, not least in the health service. There have been a lot of public sector strikes, as there have been uh, here in, in England, of course, and other parts of the UK as well. But really, there have been a lot of people worrying about the the basic structure of health, the health service in Northern Ireland. So that's a very big one. There's a really interesting point, actually, that uh, that Katie hints at, but I'll maybe pick up if that's OK. And that's about being the junior partner to Sinn Féin. They are in that the DUP would, are now a smaller party than Sinn Féin. But what's interesting is for years, the position of First Minister and Deputy First Minister, which is a joint office, for years the DUP have been having slogans such as don't make you know Martin McGuinness First Minister, but it is a joint office. So whoever is the Deputy First Minister will be a co-equal person. And actually Sinn Féin have said they would even change the name of the office to joint first ministers which is just another bit of the really random crazy stuff that goes on in northern ireland politics thank you peter thank you katie and thank you for listening to coffee hour shots